Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. Here we want to learn about health, what we can do to be proactive in our health, and how we can move toward optimal health because our body will do the healing if we just give it a let it do it. In our last podcast, we had a naturopath who discussed iridiology tongue analysis, and some approaches we can use to assess our state of health. Naturopathy offers the tools to help us look at our bodies and take us and take steps to improve our health. Let's delve further into this approach. So today we have Olivier Sanchez. Sanchez. He's a registered naturopath, nutritional therapist, and an iridologist. He's the founder of Nutrinity, a naturopathic nutrition clinic, which is in London. He's an expert in stress and stress-related conditions. He's a certified mental health awareness person. And he's very interested in the multifactorial inflammatory and autoimmune disorders. He provides online consultations to clients throughout the world with a live video feed. His timely discovery of naturopathic nutrition has finally provided the tools he needed in pursuing his calling, which was to help people. He designed the 30-day reset, a proven plan to help people take control of their health and to naturally lose weight. To date, 100% of the participants have reported a weight loss of around 3 kilos, which is about 7 or 8 pounds, for the duration of the first phase of his plan. The biggest weight loss was 25 kilos over a period of 3 months. He's the author of Energize, 30 Days to Vitality, which he uses experience and clinical evidence to provide much detailed information about the body, the interconnectivity of systems and organs, and all that can interfere with good functioning, including certain foods, sleep, and particularly stress. He provides a multitude of actionable tips that can easily be assimilated into your daily self-care routine. And his upcoming book, Detox Before Energize, will complete this series and expose the major toxicants that can reap our bodies and minds from vital energy and solution to reduce your exposure. I'd like to talk more about that with you later. He's also a Michelin-trained chef with over 25 years of experience in restaurants and private employment for the rich and the famous around the world. He's an ambassador of naturopathic cuisine. He's designed, tried, and tested many original recipes for international magazines and blogs. Welcome, Dr. Sanchez. Hello, and thank you very much for having me. I'm very, very honored to be here today. Well, I know that your emphasis is on stress and how important it is in our whole lives and our diet, and it's important we're not stressed and we're eating. But let's backtrack a little bit. And what is naturopathy? Of course. So naturopathy is literally the science and to actually work with the body. So we need to understand the body and how it functions and how to not impede on its function by interfering with anything like, for example, let's say pharmaceutical drugs, which, by the way, will only address the symptoms and certainly not the cause. So that's the function today of um, naturopathic medicine is to actually work with the body to reestablish balance and making sure that the body is working as best as possible and to support our health 
but also our mental health. That is so important because allopathic medicine tends to be sick care, disease management, and just giving pills to mask the symptoms. So what you say is so important. You've said in the past we need to know where we are before we can get better. What do you mean by that? Absolutely. Because if we don't understand how we get to where we are today, meaning that probably we are not feeling our best, we are probably not able to think straight because we most of the time brain fog or we can't manage our energy level or our blood sugar levels. And then what happened with that is that we, if we don't understand why we, what literally put us where we are today, we cannot take responsibility for our actions. And if we cannot take responsibility, we cannot create change to feel better and be better and healthier. Well, how do we know if we're healthy or on a healthy path? Well, it's very simple. If you are taking one or two or three or even more tablets every single day to actually help you through the day, then something is categorically wrong because there we are relying on pharmaceutical drugs rather than food and nutrition and lifestyle habits, which are literally the reason why something is really going wrong in our lives. Well, what if we're not taking all these tablets? Uh, how, how do we know? So, for example, it's very simple. You wake up in the morning and you literally have to drag yourself out of bed. So that's already one thing. Then, for example, by 10 o'clock, you're crashing. You have no energy. So you're having another coffee, maybe the second or third coffee, and then arrives lunch, and then literally you are crashing again because you have no energy or you're feeling full. And literally all of these things are indication that one, we cannot control our energy level. We don't sleep properly. And what we are eating is not really agreeing with us because if we feel sleepy after eating food, then it means that our body is busy diverting that energy to deal with the problem rather than with digestion and the assimilation of nutrients. We should be supporting our overall health, but also our energy level and maintain our blood sugar level stable. So this is what you mean when you talk about listening to your body? Absolutely. You need to, to listen to all these messages that the body sends because, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, but I don't understand it. It's true because the brain is not saying, oh, eat more fat or eat more protein, or maybe you should not eat that much sugar at one time. So what your body is saying is that here are some symptoms and you need to listen to those symptoms. And, you know, you need to actually also link the symptoms to what you just done. And the issue here is that some of the time, many of the symptoms that we experience are so broad that we don't really know what they're relating to. So it's really when we have to listen to those messages to really understand where all of this is coming from. And what tools do you use with your clients to help them get better? Oh, there are many, many different tools. And it also depends why they're coming to see me for. If they're coming to see me for, let's say, for losing weight, then I will work with them so that they eat the right kind of food and really kind of identify if they have any kind of uh, hypersensitivities to food or perhaps some intolerances or allergies so that we can really reduce the inflammation and really work to heal the gut so they can lose the weight. Some people come to see me to uh, improve their uh, fitness, for example. Um, so then in that case, I will look at special 
dietary advice to make sure that the food that they're consuming is actually working with their body. And we also use genetic uh, profiles to see if their genetic is predisposing them to actually do that kind of exercising that they want to um, become more familiar with. And if they come to see me, for example, because they are dealing with a lot of stress or they are on the edge of burnout or they are actually dealing with burnout, then now I need to encompass every kind of modalities, including stress management, uh, energy management as in uh, blood sugar management, but also how they heat and how they are in, one, um, in what environment they're eating. So, for example, are they sitting at the table? Are they eating at the same time that they're working or answering email or doing anything else for that matter? So the issue here is to actually help them to reconnect with food and understand what food is doing to their body. And if not, what is not doing to their body or making it worse? What tools do you use to assess where they are and, you know, what their actual state is at the moment? So you... And, you know, so you can move them toward a better place. Absolutely. So it always starts with a blood test. Um, it's always a good thing to know what kind of uh, issue they have with the main organs, especially if you test for, let's say, liver function, kidney functions. And maybe you want to know their HA1BC um, level to see how um, they manage their blood sugar. And that can also be taken with uh, blood fasting glucose levels. And then on top of that, you can also um, test for the thyroid. So we do functional testing. So thyroid function, autoantibodies that are directed against the thyroid. And then we can also go to um, genetic testing, for example, to see what is actually happening at the genetic level. I also do a lot of uh, stool tests because for me, what I take from that is that if you can't heal the gut because your gut is such a problematic environment because it's literally producing a myriad of pro-inflammatory markers and other uh, byproducts that inflame the liver, inflame the brain, then it's very difficult to be healthier if you don't assess the health of the gut and restore balance in the gut. So for me, the stool test is usually one of the key um, functional tests that I definitely look for when there is a lot of issue going on. And how does this differ from the functional medicine approach? Well, it's not very much difference. Um, the only thing with functional, functional medicine, they all kind of have the same patterns to follow because obviously it's uh, an organization. So they need to follow what their regulation as rules are. When it comes to naturopathic medicine, it's more of an individual approach. We are really into the um, jumping into the environment and really understand how everything connects in their lives. So it's really uh, like functional medicine is looking at the symptoms and what are the root cause of those symptoms and really address every single part of their lives so we can really build a better picture and understanding what is going on in their life. That is so important. So um, you have an interest in some training in mental health. So how do you use naturopathy in mental health? Well, for me, um, mental health aspect of nutrition, I think personally is so important. Because first of all, I always realize that at least in 95% of my clients, stress is a major problem. And usually it's a great hurdle in their recovery. So meaning that if they are not so well today, usually stress 
is the perpetrator and trigger in everything that they do and feel. So in that way, stress is also leading to inflammation, but also leading to um, poorer cognitive abilities. And but also uh, stress, as research has shown, can contribute to anxiety disorders and depression on the long term, which can affect your cognitive function even more, lead to neuroinflammation and on the very long term to neurodegeneration. So that's why for me, if we don't assess stress today and understand where they are, where the clients clients are today, then we we can't really build that picture to understand how to get them better. That also is so important because I think there are studies that indicate that stress exacerbates and make any condition worse, be it mental health or any physical disease. I mean, the chemistry is it increases cortisol and, as you said, increases inflammation, oxidative stress, which are the usual culprits contributing to just about every chronic disease. Also, what's interesting is there's so many nutrients and food and supplements that can be used in mental health to help with the treatment and both the side effects and help with the withdrawal from the antidepressant medications. And, and it's really a fascinating area. It, even though there are studies, it's so little used in mental health. So there's a whole wide area there that needs further exploring. So, okay, um, you studied NLP, Neural Linguistic Programming. Tell us about that. That is actually extremely fascinating for me because when I started studying, I didn't know that it was that kind of uh, modality. It's actually a way to understand our language and the root cause of our fears and how to actually deal with them in a healthy manner and uh, develop new habits and um, it use exercise to actually understand what we can do to change our current state. So let's say, for example, um, uh, um, I'm not really happy with myself, let's say. Now, when somebody is saying that to me, I repeat those words back to them so they can actually acknowledge what they just said. But those language, those words that they have used is the very key to understand where they're coming from and to use that language to actually really be individualized and really understand and explain to them, this is what you should do because that's the way you've been talking to me and those words that you have been using are the key to your recovery. So you're indicating that the words and the thoughts are linked to emotions, which all then are linked to behavior? 100%, yes. Well, doesn't NLP in, break people down into people who, you know, yeah, I mean, use vision and vi visual words like it seems and auditory words and kinesthetic like it feels? Doesn't it go into that as well? It does. So literally, it's like you need to, for me, for, for example, when I do my plan for any clients, I always talk to them about the end vision. And the end vision is what they need to keep in mind so that they can monitor their progress and make sure they're working towards that goal, to achieving that end vision. But that end vision needs to be established. And when you want to establish that end vision, you need to make sure that you feel it in your being. It must resonate with who you are inside. So for example, I say to them, imagine you being healthy, happy, or whatever it may be that you want to achieve. 
then use that picture to make it vivid. You must feel it. You must be able to, um, for me, I always say it makes, it gives you goosebumps. So that when I say, think about it. So what do you feel? What do you taste? What do you hear or anything? Use your five senses to actually build that picture. So whatever that envision should be extremely vivid in your mind. And that is the key to achieving your goal. So that's connecting uh, emotions and neurons, uh, all parts of the body to work toward that goal in harmony. Absolutely. Okay. Well, in the naturopathic approach, uh, you know, you're looking at all sorts of lifestyle. You got to make sure that you your sleep is good because that's when we regenerate and detox overnight. We've got to make sure we get some exercise, which is correlated with improvement in mental health, most diseases. I mean, it increases something called BDNF. I mean, we got to make sure that our stress is minimized. We got to make sure our diet is good. We have to minimize toxins. So why don't you discuss about some, about some of these interventions? Sure. So when we are looking to become a healthy, we need to address every part of our life. So it's good to actually take a step back and really look at ourselves from a night side perspective. So literally, we are looking at ourselves in the third person. And when we do that, we can literally say, oh, I'm not exactly this- I'm not exercising a lot or enough or not at all. Uh, I'm not eating the right kind of food that my body disagrees with. Um, I'm mostly tired and fatigued all of the time. And I'm also stressed all the time and anxious all the time. So all of these things need to be taken into consideration so that you can really look at what your lifestyle habits should become. So you need to develop new habits. But for that, you really need to understand where you're coming from and really analyze where you are right now and use all that you know about yourself so you can really move forward. Okay, well, let's delve into some of these areas. What makes an ideal diet? Well, actually, uh, I think today when we talk about the ideal diet, we really need to go back to basics because this is where it's quite important. Because we live in a world where we are overwhelmed with so many contradictory messages from the media, online sources, and the long list of experts and influencers who tell us that we should be okay if we eat a certain way, exercise enough, or have self-control. And we are bombarded with mostly contradicting information and drowning, literally, in nutritional confusion. So as a result, we stop trusting a broken system and the greater part of the population has stopped listening altogether. But the thing is, is it's also another issue. And this is often as the subconscious level. Because the prevailing narratives that often implies that if we don't attend the perfect weight or adhere to an ideal diet and have boundless energy and health, then it must indicate some failure on our part. And that is really key because if we feel that it is our fault, then we have a problem because it is clearly not. And 
of course, in essence, the constant influx of the information and unrealistic expectation can really be disorientating for many people and lead to unnecessary stress and pressure when it comes to our dietary choices and uh, our overall well-being. And uh, that's why now, you know, a lot of people have chosen to take their own health into their own hands because they just don't know who to trust and who to listen. But the issue here is that I think um, nearly 20% of the American population is on a particular calorie-restricted diet at any time because they are unhappy with their weight. And I think there is also um, some recent statistics that show that 9 out of 10 women in the U.S. are also unhappy with their, with their appearance. And I remember from uh, a conference not so long ago that about 80% of the girl age 10 already fear being fat and have already been on one diet or another. But this for me is just so unbelievable. But the worst part is, is that 98% of those who diet gain back the weight that they lose within a year. So what we are doing right now is not working. But for me personally, when I see it in clinic and I see everything that I hear about the nutrition world is that we are witnessing an ever increasing rate of metabolic disorders. And that includes um, obesity, diabetes and cardiovascular disease, but also new neurodegenerative conditions, which are also on a trajectory that is extremely frightening. Um, I've done a, a webinar not so long ago, and it was really uh, eye-opening because it is predicted that 67% of the U.S. population will have diabetes by 2030. And globally, an estimated 2.16 billion adults will be overweight and 1.12 billion will be obese by 2030. And that is in addition of new statistics that says that by 2050, cases of dementia will increase to 152 million. Today alone, it's about 60 million people worldwide will live with dementia. So for me, that's why going back to basic today is so important, because we need to look at all aspects of our life and nutrition. And that includes recognizing that um, digestion, nutrient absorption, and particularly metabolism and other bodily function are not solely influenced by physical factor, but also our mental state, like I've been talking, but an emotion and lifestyle choices. So our thought, our feelings, our beliefs, our stress level, our ability to relax, our capacity for pleasure and over awareness significantly impact our body process and metabolize the food that we eat. So that for me is a very important part because in essence, our mental and emotional well-being play a direct role in how effectively we derive nutrients and energy from the food that we eat. So we also need to remember that we are biochemically unique. And our physiology is profoundly impacted by our minds and emotions. So there cannot be one universal diet for everyone, but a diet that is right for you. So if we understand that we have a body that needs to be honored, respected, and nurtured, and we need to reevaluate our relationship with food and remove the fear associated with it and start to learn the language of our body. So that's why I was talking earlier. It's about those messages that the body sends. But we are 
lost our translator. We just don't know what the body says anymore. But we also lost our connection with food and the land. We are completely disconnected from nature. But plus, we also buy plastic wrap chemical food and we no longer grow our own. So we are completely disconnected. And then we experience discomfort and maybe pain and we are led to believe that all we need is um, taking a pill. But if we are looking at bloating, for example, reflux or maybe chronic constipation or joint pain and fatigue, these are not indicative that we have deficiencies in acid reducing drugs or laxative or painkillers or even caffeine. So we need to listen to our body and become mindful eaters. So if we aim to go back to basics today, the basis for a health supporting diet remains more or less the same for everyone. So an ideal diet is one that provides all the nutrients your body and your brain needs to function at their best. And usually this includes a variety of food from all food groups, such as fruits, vegetables, lean protein, healthy fats, and many other components of health, which also include dietary fiber and antioxidants. So the idea is to remove any food that your body doesn't agree with, or that you may be hypersensitive to, or maybe intolerant to, and enjoy the rest as much as you like, especially when it comes to fruit and vegetables from as many colors as possible. So I really want to to make a note here because at the moment, the trend word in the nutrition world and the food industry is all about plant-based diet. Um, the issue here is that plant-based means nothing. And when you buy ultra-processed food product in a plastic wrap, you can be sure that there is probably no plant in that product or that, pro that plant has been processed so much that the body cannot recognize it anymore and probably cannot even assimilate the nutrients from it. So that's why for me, when I hire plant-based at the moment, I always go like, mm, plant-based, what does it mean for you? So that's why for me, when it comes to the ideal diet, it has to be working with the body. Yeah, I, I like that. So... Uh, obviously, the message here is anything that's wrapped in plastic or in a box or in the center of the supermarket, stay away from. Eat organic, eat many colors, eat good oils, stay away from the seed oils, heavily processed. If you eat meat, make sure it's grass-fed. And um, I guess that's about it. And intermittent fasting, I guess, also helps. Uh, mm -hmm. Any other tips other than those? Well, for me, I actually just said something really interesting because for me, I always laugh at this because when you go to your supermarket, you always have a healthy eye. And in my head, I was like, what does that mean? Because if you have one healthy eye, what are the rest of the food in the supermarket? Because for me, that really rings, you know, a bell saying, oh, we have one healthy eye and the rest is what? Unhealthy? Because I think that's what it is. And uh, but also when it comes to healthy food, I, um, when you start looking at the labels, then you realize that the same company who are doing all that ultra-processed junk food is still doing the same, but they're labeling it um, healthy. Yeah. So what 
couldn't i mean yeah I, the food industries uh you know i you know a lot of times they just errors of omission i mean interestingly the foods that they have in america have a lot of ingredients they don't allow in europe so there's a lot of products like Heinz ketchup the there's high fructose corn syrup in the u.s but not in europe and there's a lot of products that are different which is kind of interesting anyway what could impact our nutrition Actually, this is a very important question because there are quite a number of factors that can impact on nutrition, and that typically includes our age, sex, activity levels, um, health conditions, and maybe dietary preferences, you know, following a certain specific diet. But our environment can also play a major role. So that's why following a healthy diet is always a good start. So first, we need to develop good, healthy lifestyle habits to maximize nutrition. And when I say this, I actually speak about digestion and the assimilation of nutrients in this context. So all of this can include any of the following, like mindful eating, chewing our food thoroughly and taking the time to eat. So the idea here is to eat in a complete state of relaxation. So we need to get from a hyperactive state to a more relaxed state. And this is very important because if we eat under stress or do other things at the same time, like answering email or anything else, like walking, the body is busy diverting resources to other parts of the body and less is available for the digestive system. So when we look at that and understand the processes, then it's very likely that Digestive capabilities are not optimal. And that includes the release of um, stomach acids uh, and digestive enzymes, without which we cannot break down the food we eat into tiny molecules the body can absorb and utilize. And this is even more pronounced when chronic stress is an ongoing situation. So this is why people who are under chronic stress experience symptoms like bloating or reflux, especially if they overeat and mainly consume high-calorie food product. And they may also feel fatigued and irritable from the severe fluctuation in blood sugar and experience brain food and other cognitive problems, depending on uh, what's happening, really. But something I really want to point out as well is that my nutrition is back in the Western world. And that is as a result of following calorie-restrictive diet and inadequate diet, and also poor blood sugar management and bad sleep. At the moment, people are following trends and gurus without actually understanding how their body functions. They don't listen to the messages the body sends, and they continue because they believe what they are doing is right, because their guru is telling them. But deep down, this is really creating a vicious circle. So we don't eat an ideal diet. We are lacking essential nutrients. We are mostly consuming a sugar-based diet. Our body doesn't function so well, and we are probably in pain. We may even disturb our fragile gut ecosystem, and from there develop inflammatory conditions. But this is quite stressful for the body, as is hypoglycemia which is when the blood sugar level drops too low. And so, like we say earlier, the body's response is to produce stress hormones. Most stress hormones in the circulations mean that we have less energy for digestion, and therefore the cycle continues. 
So the other side of the problem is that many components in our diet today, or forever, like uh, if we think about hunter-gatherer, is that those components in our diet are essential building blocks for healing and repair. So we can think like protein. Uh, but there are also others that act as cofactors in many enzymatic reactions, and that can include uh, minerals like magnesium, zinc, and calcium, which are necessary for digestion. So we need to make sure that we supply enough amino acids and minerals from our diet. But the issue here is that most of us today eat too much and too fast. We don't really chew our food properly while we are also doing something else and probably stressed. And to make things worse, we eat poorly nourishing meals and so we are chronically malnourished. The body simply doesn't have enough resources to work optimally. And then, of course, it's no surprise that we don't feel our best and can't really think straight most of the time and that we are fatigued and more stressed as a result. Yeah, even compounding this problem further is with this mono agriculture, we've depleted the nutrients in our soil. So a vegetable, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago might have had much more nutrients than the current ones. And that doesn't look like it's going to get better. So So anyway, what are the main components of a healthy diet? I think we touched upon it, but let's go further into that. Yes. So let's go back to what I said earlier. So what I say is that we have lost our connection to food and we buy most of our food under plastic. And this is deepening our disconnection from food and nature even further. Because as human, we need to see and touch and smell food to actually make sure that this is safe for us, but also take pleasure in cooking and eating. And this is the case today is that most of the people actually don't like cooking. And I find in clinic that some people actually are scared of food and would rather not eat at all, um, which is really frightening. And the other thing is that we also need to eat according to our genetic makeup. So this is why a nutrient-dense diet and a dietary fiber are the main pillar of good health, because they literally support a health on every single level because they are um, um, they are involved in all most processes in in a body um, and other important factor which includes eating according to the seasons and our body's needs and that again really uh, who is eating according to season and it's not many people because now we buy our food from supermarkets and it's the same food earlier all year round so for example during the colder winter month. The body usually expects to retire and benefit from pre-digested food such as warming stews and soup. But the problem here is that we often eat the same foods all year round and we are exposed to an overwhelming amount of food even during those winter months when we should have a shortage of food because not so much is growing outside. And this is really sending mixed signal to the body. And uh, I think I, I want to read uh, an extract from my book, uh, Energized 30 Days of Vitality, which really kind of uh, sums everything up together. Um, Nutrient-dense, fiber-rich foods may hold the key to our health, energy levels, mental health, emotions and happiness, and bring balance to our life. 
to bring permanent change to our gut so that we are hosting a greater number of health-promoting bacteria instead of pathogenic microbes, we need to play to pay close attention to our diet and lifestyle every single day of our life. This may sound like a full-time job, but you cannot reach a healthy or healthier state of being if what you put at the end of your fork is wrecking havoc inside you, affecting your gut flora and generating a wide array of symptoms. The only way your body can tell you something is wrong, or it can go on further to inflammation or permanently ill state. So other points I make in the book include fiber and how desperately low in dietary fiber our modern diets are. So we know uh, that fibers help slow down transit and the assimilation of sugar and the reuptake of cholesterol. Without fiber, nearly all the cholesterol returns to the circulation. And this is really key because this partly explains why a diet rich in ultra-processed manufactured food product is considered to raise cholesterol levels. And this is why we find it nearly impossible to manage energy levels because of blood sugar levels fluctuate so much. And it is clear that dietary fiber should hold a greater part in our diet, if not the most important. And yet, I think is half of Americans don't even meet the, the dietary recommendation for fiber in a day. So it really means that if we consider that so many people who are called health conscious eat quite a lot of fiber, it means that some people just don't eat any at all. And that can be quite frightening, especially when it comes to um, metabolism and um, metabolic disorders. So that's why for me, it's like fiber is always something that I really stress people to know more about. It's interesting how our choices of food can damage our health. For example, if we eat on healthy oils, seed oils, corn oil, vegetable oils, rapeseed oil, this can incorporate into our cell wall since they're made of lipids and our brain is most has a lot of fat in it as well and it can interfere with neurons, cells, cellular communication. Eating sugar, it uses so much magnesium that will deplete you of sugar. Many things have toxins in them, and God knows what, that's very unhealthy for our body and interferes with optimal healing and health. So tell us uh, about how the choice of food can damage our health. Absolutely. But I think you just said something very interesting here, and it was magnesium. Magnesium is such a major issue because when we are stressed, the body relies on more magnesium. And this can really lead to problematic uh, issues there because when you don't have enough magnesium, you can really be sure that something is not going quite right in the body because magnesium is involved and I think now is 500 enzymatic pathways. So if we don't have enough magnesium, there is sure that at the cellular level or at the organ level, something is not quite working well because of the insufficiencies in magnesium. So going back to your question about how our choice of food can damage our health. Well, if we do not eat wholesome food like plants, then we are mostly eating ultra-processed manufactured food products. And these are literally industrial formulations 
that undergo extensive processing and contain numerous man-made ingredients, including additives such as uh, preservative, coloring, flavoring, and texturizer, and I think emulsifier, and delicious, the list goes on and on. But like we said, they also contain high level of added sugar and healthy fat, especially trans fats and salt. So common example of ultra-processed food products, which many people are not aware of, include sweetened breakfast cereals. Um, I think if we look at the label, most of the time sugar is the number one um, ingredient on the list. Um, so this is quite frightening. So other products include packaged snacks, ready-to-eat meals, junk food, uh, anything that you can get from a food outlet anywhere, uh, especially those drive through uh, and also soft drinks. So what research has found is that this type of product often lacks essential nutrients like vitamins, minerals, and fiber. And therefore, they can only impact uh, gut health negatively by altering the composition of the gut microbiota, which can really have implications for digestion, metabolism, and overall whole wave. Because we're starting to learn more and more about the gut and, and understanding how the bacteria really play a role in our health and mental health and maintaining brain function. Um, so if our diet lacks fiber, then it is very likely to encourage the development of pathogenic and opportunistic microbes that thrive on sugar and oxygen. So remember, if we are following a sugar-based diet, then we are literally swallowing a grenade every single time. Now we just need the whole thing to explode. And then what's happening is that we feel bloated, we feel discomfort, and maybe we feel uh, some kind of pain. Um, so it's not very... Um, you know, little symptoms that, you know, we just don't want to, to care about. Some people really suffer. And uh, and the issue here is that when those bacteria use that sugar, they produce gas and a lot of it. And that is what is responsible for the distension, the discomfort, and maybe the pain as well. But those bacteria also produce various byproducts, uh, such as uh, alcohol and also a lot of it, and endotoxins. And endotoxins are part of their membrane that they shade or distribute when they die, for example. And these have the propensity to inflame the liver and are also the main culprit in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And we also know that they can lead to neuroinflammation, and that is via the gut microbiota, gut, liver, brain axis. And that's why our choice of food is so important. So if we go back to basic and we consume a nutrient-dense diet, like the Mediterranean diet, for example, we provide the ideal food for our gut bacteria. And in exchange, they release byproducts, which are for the most part anti-inflammatory, but also support the gut lining and our immune system. So this is really key to our health. And this, the way that commensal bacteria help our gut and our health is via the release of short-chain fatty acids. So there's a lot to say about it, but what we need to take from this and understand what short-chain fatty acids is that those molecules are essential to keep the gut wall tight and permeable. And they are also used as a fuel source by our gut lining cells and have also an impact on brain function and inflammation. And what research is discovering at the moment is absolutely astonishing because things that 
we didn't know, let's say, 10 years ago, are now uh, just mind-blowing what, what we're just finding out. And uh, the good thing about those good gut bacteria, they also help with the release of feel-good neurotransmitter in the gut, such as tryptophan and serotonin. So when people say that, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, 95% of the serotonin is produced in the gut. But the issue here, uh, when research say, well, but that's no impact on the brain or the neurotransmitter level of serotonin in the brain. The issue here is that serotonin produces the gut is too big to cross the blood-brain barrier. So what's happening here is that by simply sending signals to the brain, like serotonin, then the gut is saying to the brain, everything is under control. We are happy here. So if you are happy, then the brain is saying, oh, everything's fine. Let's have a party. But the other way around is that if you don't produce enough serotonin because you have uh, too many pathogenic bacteria in your gut, then those messages going to the brain saying, oh, we're not happy here. Then the brain is not happy. And that's when you start experiencing brain fog and maybe cognitive dysfunction, like you have a memory problem. Or maybe you, like, for example, you can't remember the name of the person you're talking to, or you don't even remember what you're just being talking about. So that's little indication that something is not quite right in the gut and not necessarily in the brain. So that's why not only eating can help us to feel good, but the happy gut also means the happiest. So how can we eat healthy when costs are increasing so much? Oh my goodness, that's a fantastic question. I have it in clinic almost every day. Um, we are very lucky in the UK because we don't pay tax on food. Well, at least the, the, the food that are essential. So this is really good because when we are looking at eating organic food, for example, they don't cost an arm and a leg compared to other countries. So I'm French. Um, and in France, I think you have 20% on food uh, for VAT. So when you consider the price of food, then price is way more expensive in France than in the UK. So even if you don't have a food budget, you can make small changes to support your health. And that is really possible. The goal is to increase your consumption of dietary fiber. So eating plenty of fruit and veg and really reduce the intake of problematic additives and other intentionally added substances, which are for the most part alien to the body and potentially toxic. So if we look at an apple, let's say, oh, okay, uh, a pack of four apple costs two pounds. Uh, in the in UK, so that's probably $2.50 in America. But then you want to buy, let's say, um, a piece of chicken with some sauce and carbs uh, in an aluminium container. That will cost you seven or eight pounds. So that's probably $10. So now when you look at how much vegetables and fruit you can buy for that price and still eat better, especially if you cook from scratch, then you can really save money. So if you are saying, okay, I'm going to eat more vegetables and eat less packed snacks, then you already know that you're already saving money as well. So people say, oh, but meat is really expensive anyway. That's fine. For me, is that when people say to me, meat is expensive, I always say supermarket meat is expensive because supermarkets have set arbitrary prices to maximize their income. So they pay very little to the farmers and take the commission themselves. So 
if we are going to buy good meat, pasteurized meat, uh, or free-range meat, uh, like chicken or free-range eggs or all the rest of it, it's always cheaper to buy directly from the farm. But the good thing is that you can actually go to the farm and see how they treat the animal so that you can really have a vibe about how the whole farm is working, how they care for the animal, what they do to the animal, you know, and then you can really, this can really help you reconnect with food, but it can also um, save your wallet. Um, what I also say to people is that if you can't really afford meat, then eat meat less often. That's fine. But you can also concentrate on small fatty fish, for example. So you can include sardines, herrings, and mackerel. And those are very accessible. Um, tin sardines or mackerel in brine is also ideal because I think you can buy uh, a whole pack of 12, uh, maybe for uh, just a few pounds. Um, but what I always say to people when they buy tin fish, for example, it's always best to avoid any preparation with sauces or industrial oils, including olive oil, because those oils are just not good for the body. They simply refine and they use the same uh, problematic additive in the sauces. So it's always best to choose in brine, so in spring water. That's very interesting. Um, so what tips would you like to share with our audience? So for me, the practical tips that I would like to share with everyone today includes breath work. So, and also the butterfly egg, because those are tools that can help you kind of go from a state of hyperactivity to a more relaxed state, which is necessary for digestion. So for me, I always go back to how we eat, in what environment and what we are doing to our body when we are ready to eat. So first of all, we know that uh, cooking or thinking about food already ignites the release of um, digestive juices. Um, so that's really key, it's there. Then when we are ready to eat, we have to mark a pause. We need to stop everything that we are doing. We need to switch off our phone. We need to disconnect from all devices. Uh, if you have your email on with a computer, um, just switch it off. If you have no choice but to eat at your desk, switch off everything. You don't need to check on work when you are about to eat. You should never be distracted. So when I was talking about the breath work, it's an ideal way to say to your body, stop. So you are concentrating on the breathing and not really concentrating on anything else. So that is literally signaling the brain that, oh, we're not stressed anymore. We don't need to worry. We are going to eat. So the body starts to relax. And the breathing uh, sequences is very simple. It, you can um, accommodate it to your level of breathing and maybe stress level as well. But usually it, it's a count of five seconds. So you inhale, count to five, then you exhale, and then you count to five. And then you repeat. So literally what you are doing is that you're using your vagus nerve to bring all those signals to the brain saying you are in control and you are not in danger. That's what's happening. If that doesn't work because you just cannot control your breathing, then the butterfly egg for me is absolutely amazing. It's really considered one key um, exercise to really 
bring more attention to yourself and your kind of um, state. So the breath, the butterfly hug is very easy. Um, I know it's very difficult to explain over uh, the internet um, and the radio, but um, for me, the the way to do it is that you link your thumb together in a way that you do like a butterfly or a bird. Um, you know, when you do those um, uh, light shadows on the wall uh, with the light. And then you place the palm of your hand on your chest with literally your thumb on the top of uh, the bones that you feel on top of your rib cage. And then you tap right to left with your hands on your chest very gently. And this is shown to lose uh, the um, nervous system and really bring you in state of relaxation. And because it also involve uh, touching. Uh, it also helps with oxytocin and oxytocin is a really feel-good hormone as well. Um, and in addition, with people who really need more support, I have developed uh, SOS 5 minutes meditation sessions and those can be found on my YouTube channel and they have been really useful for many of my clients. Well, we're coming down toward the end of our conversation. So in closing, what would you like our listeners as take-home messages today and how can they get a hold of you sure so what i think they should take home today is number one do not eat when stressed or distracted you must again disconnect from all devices and work you need to be selfish you know when you look at a dog ready to eat the dog is eating it doesn't care what's happening around it it needs to eat and it just concentrates on eating so this is your time the time you dedicate to nourishing your body and mind and when you eat you chew your food properly and you thoroughly and then you literally think about all the goodness that is going to do to your body second you need to maximize fiber intake and i think the average is 25 grams to 29 grams per day of fiber that the body requires to function optimally. Third is to eat as many vegetables of as many different colors as possible every single meal. And, you know, when people say to me, oh, what can I eat for breakfast? When you can eat uh, leftover dinners for breakfast, it doesn't have to be breakfast cereals. We are not six years old anymore. We are, most of us, adults. And Breakfast cereals is not an adult food. And finally, I think cooking from scratch and reconnecting with food is for me the number one advice that I give to people. And when I say cooking, it doesn't need to be complicated. It can be adapted to your abilities and equipment. And I do give um, cooking lessons for people worldwide. So when they feel like, oh, but I don't know how to cook, I don't know how to do this, then I can really help them. Um, so when it comes to my clinic, uh, they can get hold of me by going to my website, which is www.nutrunity.com. Why don't you spell that? Sorry? Sp please spell that for the audience. Sure. So it's N-U-T-R-U-N-I-T-Y. So it's the combination of nutrition and unity. Because when it comes to uh, unity, it comes to unity of disease. Uh, like in functional medicine and naturopathic medicine, you know, we tend to understand that all diseases are all united and comes to the same causes, more or less. And um, 
when it comes to nutrition, you know, that's really what I, I do best. Um, so nutrinity.com. And if they want to email me, they can email me at hello at nutrinity.com. Well, thank you so much for sharing that information. So the audience, I ask you to, uh, you know, take this to heart, do some more research, share it with your friends, share it with your physician, and above all, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week.